the Neon Confidential Podcast. Is this thing on? <laughs> Hi, everyone, and Happy New Year. By the time you're listening into this episode, it'll officially be 2023. And it seems fitting for this to be the first episode we release into the new year because I myself am going through a bit of a transition in my personal life. And this episode undoubtedly reflects that. This interview isn't really an interview in my opinion, but more of a conversation between two friends who just happen to be business owner females. And we both had that as a common thread. So naturally the conversation melts into what that as a professional aspect is like for us both in our personal lives and how that transpires into dating and relationships which is a hardship for many women these days, but especially women who have their shit together in a city full of men who, well, sometimes don't. I think this is a new territory we're breaching together as a society where women can now be considered the breadwinners in a relationship, which realistically has never been as possible as it is right now. That is showing up in ways that can oftentimes be emasculating for men, so we talk about that. We, of course, get Nina's background. She has a very super interesting background. She's from Bulgaria. She's known in Las Vegas as the Caviar Queen and how she's come to be one of the hottest female entrepreneurs in Las Vegas. And so we both really open up and share our similar struggles about how that has gotten us really far into our professional careers, which with things like being decision makers and authoritative and being solution oriented, because we don't really have another choice, right? When we're dealing with our businesses, but how that hasn't exactly translated into success in our romantic relationships. As always, the comment sections are open for feedback um, across all platforms. And I really hope to have more of these types of conversations with friends that are impactful and vulnerable rather than just interviews. Nina is a dear friend who I don't spend a ton of time with, again, because both of our entrepreneurial schedules kind of pull us in different directions. But when we do, I really value the conversation. So with that, let's welcome the caviar queen, Nina Manchev to Neon Confidential. Okay, so today's guest is Nina Manchev, known by her Vegas fam as the caviar queen. At just 23 years old, this Bulgarian-born, Las Vegas-raised, now powerhouse female opened Forte Tapas with the dream of preserving old traditions and recipes and bringing her Bulgarian culture and cuisine to a new audience. 13 years later, she continues to do that with her restaurant Forte, as well as with other concepts she creates. She has been seen on food networks, diners, drive-ins, and dives over five times, and she launched a series of virtual cooking classes in the Las Vegas community during the COVID-19 lockdown, which then grew nationally. Nina has not only made a name for herself in the restaurant scene, but in the Vegas community. Please welcome Nina Manchev to Neon Confidential. Hi. Hi. (laughs) So I feel like we have so much in common from like a young entrepreneurial perspective, but we haven't ever really sat down in this capacity. Like normally it's loud or we're at an event or I'm on a date at Forte or, or something like that. So I know that like just owning a business, there's usually something crazy happening at all times. So let's just start this off with like, how's your week been? Like, do you have, do you have any crazy stories that you want to start with? I mean, at this point, like if something crazy happens, I'm like, all right, it's just like, what day is that? I don't know. Just roll with it. But I feel like what you said, I, I, it's almost like we kind of grew up in this community together. Like we kind of are going through all the things like at the same time and totally our industries like overlap and stuff. Totally. It's just, yeah, just like two different industries 
PR and then, you know, you're, you're a restaurateur. So, yeah. but yeah, I, th- I feel like there's a lot of things that I want to get into similarly. Um, but first let's start with your, your background. Um, when did you and your family move here from Bulgaria? So we moved here, uh, well, my parents moved here first mm-hmm. in like 1989, 1990. Mm-hmm. And then I joined them a couple years later cause they were, they were immigrating at that time. So they landed in Chicago final stop. And then I joined them in Chicago and then we came to Las Vegas. And it was like one of those things where I think they were, they didn't want to be in the same kind of, uh, climate as what they, what they left. And Vegas was kind of like a new town and they were some of the first like people that, or we were some of the first people that immigrated here. Like from Bulgaria. Yeah. From Bulgaria. And how old were you? I was three. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I'm practically like Vegas born and raised I mean shy of like three years for sure yeah and so you do you have any memories of Bulgaria or just like from what your mom's told you or like what was it like like what what caused the move well I do I have like some memories from being young there and like like a like a little kid and stuff and playing with friends and it, it was I I always had a blast it was great to be with like grandparents and and that sort of thing but you know prior to the restaurant obviously we were going back like every year so I was able to be immersed in the culture and stuff from an oh, cool. early age. Then you also said, because when you came in here, you obviously met Zena. I mm-hmm. think you've met her before, but you saw her again. You guys reunited. And you said that your dad has Mastiffs also in Bulgaria, right? Yeah. So does he, did y'all just keep the house there or what, what is that like? So there's, there's, we have a lot of like homes and like properties and stuff. And it's a lot of it is like two, of, two of the properties it's uh, on my dad's side. It's like from generations Mm -hmm. and then the house that uh he grew up on his like which was like his grandmother grandfather's house he like turned into like a nice village home so really cleaned everything up and um so we go back and forth so we just have a lot of stuff like from from family that's left over which i think is unique you know like that's what you like the you and that's i think what drives me so much in the business it's like you want to create something that's going to last for a long time that other people after you can enjoy as well right totally Mm -hmm. so does he is that are the houses in bulgaria just for you and your family or does he like rent them out or is bulgaria like a hot place for people to travel i have no idea you know i think i think at some point hopefully it will be you know, I've met a lot of customers at the restaurant, especially who are American, who I wouldn't expect to have been there that have gone. It's just so beautiful. It's just not what people would typically travel to. Like people will go to Croatia or other like Eastern European countries. And a lot of people don't know where Bulgaria is. So it's like we're right above Greece. So just to give like perspective to people and the town that he's from is very beautiful. It's an old town. It's very green. Um, and that's where I like to spend a lot of my time. And then we have some properties in Sofia also. But to answer your question, like, I think eventually the plan will be to be able to, like, rent them out so people can travel and stay there. It's just a lot of the time there's not too much going on. You have to be kind of like, it's good to go with someone who knows, you know, the landscape. I'm going to Bulgaria with yeah, you, you are. at some point. Yeah, you are. You will have so much fun. <laughs> I, <laughs> I can already see it. That's my favorite thing to do, though, is like, I mean, it's, 
being in Las Vegas too, and I know that you know this, it's like no one's really from here. And a lot of people moved here in like the 90s um, from their respective countries. And so um, Genghis is one of my very good friends and he's from New Zealand. So I'm never going to go to New Zealand without him. Mm -hmm. I just went to Ireland with John O'Donnell because that's where he's from. And so like I need to add that to my Vegas bucket list. My Vegas travel bucket list is to go to Bulgaria with Nina. What do you miss the most about that culture? Because I know that you incorporate a lot of that, your culture into Forte and into the restaurant. So what are just like some of the, the aspects of the culture that you miss or that you wish were different here? You know, that's a really good question. I was talking about this to someone else last night, but you don't feel it until you go back. So last year when I go, when I went back last year, I had this intention of just immersing myself in it and not seeing it as a tourist, but someone who actually has roots there and is from there. And the biggest takeaway is the pace of life, right? So here it's very easy to just get caught up in like the day to day and like make extra things for yourself. And, you know, you're constantly on the grind and stuff. And people are like that over there too. But, you know, family's valued, time off is valued. I mean, there's a holiday like every other day in Bulgaria, it seems like, where people are like, nope, Thursday is done. We're going to the village house. And that's, that's what a lot of people do. Also, like if you're working in the city, if you live in the city, a lot of people have like a village home where they go for the weekend and can completely disconnect. Right. Wow. So that's, that's I, something I can't that's, imagine. that's exactly me neither. But that's what, when I came back last year, I was like, Oh my God, like I do so many extra things that I don't need to. But in my mind, I'm like, you have to do this. You have to do this. You have to, and you have like 20 different tasks that are just like on top of your regular schedule or it could just be like four or five items that actually need to get done. Right. Totally. Or like something that was really hard for me to um, figure out how to do is to pass off tasks that even if like, let's say that I'm better at something or I'm faster at it. Like I felt like the, the need to explain to somebody how to do it. I could have done it five times, Mm -hmm. but really it's like, what is that quote about? Like if you teach him, you know, if you give a man a fish or if you, versus if you teach him how to fish, um, eventually like, and it just took me a really long time, but I feel like normally when people like us have tasks that are like stacked up, we're like, well, we can only do it better, Mm -hmm. but trusting other people you know, to then help you is just a really difficult thing to learn. But do you think that's also like how you were raised and brought up like work ethic wise and like that sort of thing? I mean, really like my parents were both entrepreneurs. Um, and so they didn't have teams though. It's Mm -hmm. like they had very small businesses that were easy to manage. So I'd never seen what it was like for either of them to get help. You know what I mean? Was that the same for you? That's yeah. It's the same thing where it's like, you just, you just said it. That's, I, you know, kind of like the mentality. It's like, by the time I show you, I can just do it, exactly. you know? So I, I just grew up like, I, I like working with teams. I like doing that, but I'm like, sometimes if you want to just like get something done, you just want to do it. But if you want to grow and if you want to scale and if you want to have other people around you, you have to learn to like give things off. So that's like one of my big, that's one of my things that I struggle with that I'm trying to like work through totally and then back to you saying that like in Bulgaria people you know take breaks and they disconnect for Mm -hmm. um a weekend how do you feel like do you like if there's no end in sight for you like what are some things that you do to just disconnect here like because I feel like 
I have to be available 24 seven. Yeah. And I can't decide if it's actually like we're talking about me feeling like I have to, or like if I actually have to. Yeah. So how do you like unwind? What do you do to like force yourself to? Well, that's what, that's what it is. It's like, I think for us here, unless we actually leave this environment totally, and you're not physically here yes. to like just handle stuff, then you actually see like, Oh, well, I don't really need to do this. So That's it's right. Like I can, I can, I can delegate this to someone over the phone. Why can't I do it when I'm physically somewhere? So then do you find yourself traveling more often just to yes. see, see, I knew that we were going to have a ton of things in common yes. and that's the same thing for me. It's like, um, another thing that I feel like is crazy and, and I have clients that I have to answer to. Like, I, I can't imagine that your customers are like, why are you traveling? But a lot of my clients are like, you know, in the beginning with like vacation shame when they weren't. Yeah like used to me having a team of people they're like well if you're not working then you know and I'm like nope and I really had to train my clients to like go to my employees it's like I have a team there's five of us like I have a team of people that I can pass this off to Mm -hmm. um so you're right like the reason why I travel and I do two big trips a year is just so that I can disconnect and show my clients it's almost like me traveling has enabled my clients or enabled me to train my clients to go to my team yes (laughs) <laughs> you no, know? And, and it's and it's also that's another thing where it's like it's almost like you have to train yourself to do that because you know if you're like okay well what are my clients gonna say I have to stay put but then they're gonna say something else like it doesn't matter like it's a catch-22 so at the end of the day it's like how do you feel at the end? like how are you able to like disconnect and then come back in a more meaningful way and have like that's badass to have a bunch of people that can just handle these things for you what I try to do with the restaurant is like when people come in and they sit down, they can actually sit for as much time as they want. It's slow, like not slow service, but we're not just trying to get you to eat your food and leave. And that was, I think one of the biggest challenges after diners, drive-ins and dives, which was also like a big blessing, but we had a whole new set of people that came in. They wanted to eat at five 30 and be out the door by like six, like in half an hour. And I'm like, we can't, we can't do that. So it's like, people just aren't used to just like sitting back and having like a four hour lunch or like totally, you know, a four hour dinner and, you know, relaxing and drinking and just like really being in the conversation and being present. I do notice that when I go to Forte that people just kind of hang back and and chill. Um, And then when I was in Oaxaca and this is so crazy, we're talking about this because I caught myself being that way when I was just in Oaxaca, it was Mm -hmm. a work trip uh, last week, but we walked to dinner. um, And when I passed this little like um it's like a tapas bar actually yeah, yeah. <laughs> in Oaxaca there's like you know, coffee and wine and whatever and there's small bistro tables and there was like th- this group of like four people that had been sitting there and like the I, when I walked past this guy's beard was just like very um <laughs> like I could tell who this person was when mm-hmm. I walked past him for the second time so on the way back I walked past and it had been like you know, we'd had a full photo shoot at this restaurant because that's what we were there for, for the client. And then we had a full two hour dinner and I walked back past and they were still sitting there. And I was like, wow, I can't believe they're still sitting here. But, but honestly, like, why not? Exactly. <laughs> you should be able to go and enjoy people's company and, and a meal and not have to be like in and out at a certain time. Yeah. So. And you know, it's like, I know a lot of people take advantage of like, you know, timeframes and things like that but even um you know you go to a restaurant in most places in bulgaria and you can sit down at a table and just have a coffee or just have a cocktail that's not just reserved to sit and have like a full-blown meal but then maybe like coffee and a cocktail turns into like a salad and it turns into something else which 
you know, it gets spread over like the course of time, which yeah. is really nice. Like mm-hmm. I, that's what I miss. Like I love stuff like that. I did that in Spain. My friend and I like went and like, we've been walking around Barcelona and we stopped at a cafe and then we, it was like lunchtime and then we just started drinking wine and then talking, talking, talking. And then it's like, well, I guess we should probably just have dinner, yeah. <laughs> um, which is cool. But and then also when I lived in Argentina, because this is when I was in school, like I oh, studied. I didn't know you lived in Argentina. Yeah, just for like so six cool. months. Yeah. But I, I was studying Spanish there. So it was like part of my degree program, like mm-hmm. for communications, you have to have two years of a foreign language. And so my guidance counselor was like, you had to do, um, she was warning us about culture shock, like when you get there, you know? And so what happened for me, I found was the adverse. I was totally fine there. But when I came back, to the states i was like that cost how much money (laughs) like i'm not buying that and like then i just saw like what dickheads people are Mm -hmm. you know and i'm like no one is even if people like keep to themselves um in europe or in south america or wherever you travel it's still not like blatantly rude like like here people are like i mean especially in vegas it's like the drunk capital of the freaking world yes um people are fucking rude they're you know? rude and like people try to fill silence with noise and i think that's why sometimes they maybe when you travel they're like oh the people are not friendly it's like no they're just not if you ask a question they're gonna answer your question and that's that they don't need to have like fluffy you know whatever conversations unless they feel like open to you right do you find yourself like knowing that you feel that way and knowing the amount of events that we get either invited to or the events that you have to set up like for caviar collective do you find yourself when people do that small talk do you like do you feel awkward do you feel like you have to participate like how do you how does that make you feel (laughs) i mean i i try to be as authentic and present as possible but sometimes yeah it's like you I'm just always like overstimulated it's like I you know I was talking to my mom about this she's like you're always out like you know most people don't go to a restaurant every single day most people don't go to these events like like most of the time during the week and have to carry on conversations for that long so it just gets like a little bit energetically overwhelming Mm -hmm. but uh but for the most part, it's nice. I don't know. Yeah. I like connecting with people, but it's like, you know, if it's the same conversations over and over again, you almost like train your brain to be like, oh, well, that's just how it is at this kind of place or. Yeah. Know. It's a double-edged sword, in my mm. opinion, especially if like people just assume that, you know, you're a restaurant owner, I'm a publicist, that we want to be out and about. It's like part of the job, but or, or that we're automatically extroverted, but I'm not like, yeah. and I think that surprises people. Um, I need to like recharge my batteries. And so Same, yeah. actually this week there's like, you know, national finals rodeos in town. And so all of our clients are doing activations and things and we had to go shoot. Um, and then last night I was supposed to go to the rodeo and Stoney's and I totally canceled and did stayed in just to put my Christmas tree up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yep. then tonight I've got, you know, I've got to go scout out some, a new client that wants to sign us. And, and just taking that, like, I just need, like, I can't do multiple days in a row. <laughs> well, I don't like, like you said, I, I think people think that I'm very extroverted, but I'm very shy as well. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like I have to like amp up, you know, the personality just to like be able to meet him somewhere. And then also, I don't know if you're the same, but it's like when I see people knowing this about myself, I'm like, well, maybe they feel, maybe they don't want to talk to me or it's like, I want to give people the space to like, so I don't know if that sometimes will come across as like me being closed off or something, but I'm just generally like 
I don't know how your week's been. Don't know if you want to have conversation. I don't know if there's a point in saying like, hey, we should hang out or like, you know, it's so nice to see you again or whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm like, or like settle I, in. I think my big fear is that because I've had, I have to imagine you've had people say this, that do people say that you're intimidating or they feel intimidated? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so like, that's why I'm like, if I don't say yes to everything or if I'm not like at the caliber of personality that they expect, from like the stuff I share on Instagram or whatever, just in general, I feel like I'm going to label myself as a bitch. Mm-hmm. And and that like terrifies me. So it's exhausting. Yeah. I'm really glad we're talking about this. No, it, it, it is. And you, you do such a great job like on social media, kind of like, I don't know if it's like a clap back, but it's like addressing these different things where it's like, at the end of the day, I'm a human being. And yeah, I have this persona. I have these businesses. I have this life. And all of those things can exist at the same time. They don't have to be exclusive or like totally pick a pick a lane kind of sort of thing that's right like for people that are like you know if i want to express myself creatively which is what we have to do for our clients right we have to come up with these creative like campaign ideas um people are like oh i can't believe she's because she's a business owner and like oh my god you know and i'm like i can you know show my side boob Mm -hmm. and also like run a successful 10 year old company i'm sorry but that's just how it goes (laughs) Also, yeah, and you handle your business and you have, I always think about this, like we have one life and for some people it's okay, like you have your job and do like these singular things, but I think I need to, ju- maybe you're the same, but I need to get a better better grasp on like focusing on these different things that I want and not it being like all over the place. I right, guess. yeah, like, yeah, like kind of learning how to compartmentalize mm-hmm all of those things so that they kind of like weave into one bigger story yes yeah i know it's fucking tough (laughs) like i want to be i want to be like a hippie on the beach and like have that sort of experience but i also want to dress up really glamorously and go to these events and Mm -hmm. with the caviar and then i want to have like this sort of uh experience at forte where it's like a home family kind of so it's like all these different hats that you're wearing and it's like sometimes it's a lot and but to, to me it's like whatever and how people are perceiving all of these that is right and trying to put you in like the specific thing buckets like, this is what you are this so a, another thing that like that and i feel like we i knew this was gonna happen we're just naturally gonna go into like dating and stuff because oh i know i know i can't i can't wait i'm sure you're like oh shit but like one thing that i've heard is like the intimidating thing or like that i'm high maintenance because like you know i get my hair done i curl my hair once a week and then like have nails and eyelashes and all. I like to look feminine and girly and whatever but I'm like make no mistake I can bait my own hook I like have been in the Alaskan wilderness I've hiked Machu Picchu and like have shit outside for a week like all of those things don't like my you know manicured nails don't make me a girly girl like I can still do all of these other things too but yeah like you said it's like kind of how people perceive and that's their choice like I can't stop somebody from perceiving me that way I just know how I am and then finding somebody who like appreciates all of those things um has been real damn difficult and you know I think also as a woman that started her business at a young young age because you were 23 mm-hmm. right and i was yeah. 24 um i would be remiss to not ask dating questions because i feel like we just jumped right into like the hard-hitting <laughs> stuff um are you currently in a relationship do you want to say whether you are I, I am i am not okay <laughs> how long have you not been in a relationship Ooh, 
you know, that's a good question. And depending on how you define relationships. Right, totally, which know? is like very different here than yeah. a lot of other places, I think. I mean, it's been a good, it's been a good amount of time. And I feel like this is just such a unique like dating landscape. I, I think globally at this point because, or maybe it's just in the U.S., but for women who are just further along than men at certain ages, right? So like, I think like as you get more successful and as you're making more money, do you feel like your dating pool has gotten smaller? I think my twenties, you know, were very fun. And it was just like a different type of mentality where I'm like, I have my whole life to figure this out. I'm just going to work. I put my head down, was just like grinding and pick my head up and I'm like, Oh, I'm 30. And then, you know, at this point it's just hard. Like, like we touched on the other topics. It's like, it's hard when you meet someone and the first thing they say to you is like, oh, you're probably never available. Like when they know you have a restaurant, it's like, it's not like, hey, when are you available? Or like asking those questions and trying to make the plans, which is like, it kind of gets annoying to me where I'm like, well, I have to work through being nice and being like, well, no, I have a schedule. And then I'm like, why am I explaining like how my schedule works? Like I, not to play the female card, but like, I think men don't have to necessarily do that. It's like, if you own a restaurant, it's like just automatically assumed that you have to be present work, whatever is, you know, asked of you. But I don't know. It's almost like for, for women, we have to have it like all figured out and like explain ourselves a little bit more in that sort of respect. Right. And I think that's because it's not traditional, Mm -hmm. you know, even though like for us it, it is because we've, we opened businesses at very young ages But I think for men who haven't ever dated a woman that has been an entrepreneur since she was a young age and it actually worked, right? It wasn't like a business that we just opened and then it failed. Um, I think it's different for them. Like I think we're a rare breed. And I think also from my standpoint, I think men, um, they like the idea of it, right? Like they would like to tell somebody, I'm dating a restaurateur. I, you know, I'm dating Nina. She like owns Forte or whatever. And it sounds very impressive when they're like in, you know, schmoozing business meetings, events, friends, whatever. Um, and, and I am in a situation like that too, where I think it sounds really impressive to people until they actually get into a relationship and they don't understand um, that we are dealing with some pretty high level stuff mm-hmm. and that we have to be more involved um than they have to be in their respective business or whatever it's hard for them to understand i think it lends itself to emasculating like have you ever dealt with a man feeling or telling you that you he feels like you emasculate him in a relationship uh yes Mm -hmm. i mean i think that's just like a common occurrence and it's like one of those things where there's nothing that i know that i can do about it totally it's not your problem except you know you you have to like take care of these different things throughout your day and your career. And you go through these very high highs and like the very, very low lows. Right. And it's hard to always be this like girly feminine, like, you know, sit back and relax kind of thing when you're constantly like worried if something's going to happen, if someone's going to call you, you have to be like, you have to take care of your things. And I think that's what happens when you meet someone in and, and try to be in a relationship because then it, it becomes almost like a competition where there doesn't need to be a competition where it's like, I have to take, if they have to take a phone call and I have to take a phone call, it's like different, you know? <laughs> totally. And, and, but when you just said, that's what stuck out to me is when you're like, um, it's, it's common. It's not. And I think that's what's so crazy. And that like, what needs to be just 
talked about, I guess, and more out into the open is that like, I don't think men are very emasculated by, by women that don't own their own companies. I think that's the difference. And Mm -hmm. so when you're like, it's common, it's like, I think for the two of us, it's probably common, but I think for a lot of other people, that's just not an issue in relationships. And so again, like having a man that understands that and like supports you through it, even if you're more successful than he is, um, is like something that I just haven't, I haven't found yet. And so like you said, I'm like, how long have you been single? It's almost just better to just like not be in a relationship. And yeah. deal and deal with it, you know. Yeah, because I'm, I've always been the kind of person too. If 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 I have a partner or like someone I'm seeing that has, I always try to like help as as any way that I can. And it's like I would love to meet someone that I can lean on as well, and we can have these conversations. Whether it's like you know, and different relationships have different dynamics. So it's like when you meet someone, you want a relationship. Like you can be lovers, you can be partners, you can be friends you can be all these different things but I think the way that we're groomed to perceive relationships is like no it has to be like this romantic thing and like the business stuff is icky and it's separate we don't need to talk about all that but it's like the best people are scared to like grow in partnerships that way I guess and that's like my biggest that would be like my biggest dream is to be able to like work with someone and have them understand me and me understand them and like be able to like it just seems so simple together. to like say it out loud. Mm-hmm. But then when you're in the situation, it just doesn't always pan out that way. And I really feel like the core like um, characteristic is, is emasculation. Like mm-hmm. guys haven't wrapped their head around that women are now in a point in, in our lives in the, in the landscape of dating where it's okay for a woman to be more successful for you. And it's not a competition, bro. <laughs> Yes, like, it's not. and as much as like I want to support you, and and I just got out of a situation like this where I'm like getting this person a job, and I'm like doing everything that I can to like make sure he's good, but like I did never, I never felt like he made sure I was good, mm-hmm. you know, and and that's what you're saying too. It's yeah. like you'd love to have that the person that instead of competing with you or being like, you know, you're too xyz fill in the blank being like i see you i see you taking care of me and i want to do that for you too like and it sounds like such an easy thing but i haven't met anyone personally that can handle it yet and it sounds like you haven't either no and it's like what we talked about also of the intimate i don't i hate even saying like in the intimidation to call it like it is at this point like like, what is so intimidating like just just say hi or like let's you know you, you i think dating is just so different these days where it's like especially in vegas like you go out on date and then you don't know really just like finding people i hate that i'm even comparing this but like finding people to work for you it's like you don't have this confidence that they're that something's going to develop out of it and it's not like exciting like it was before i remember like my 20s like you always meet people and you date for a little bit if it works out it works out if it doesn't it's fine and you have these relationships that are like for months or whatever and i don't know do you think it's like technology that's like also added to that i was about to ask you if you think it's like where we are in like the u.s on a map <laughs> like i think it is is it that vegas as a city is i'm just gonna try to be as factual as i can um our number one like export is hospitality Mm -hmm. you know that's what we provide for people so i think that when people come here a lot of times it doesn't attract people like it attracts people what comes with hospitality bartending liquor 
um, fast cash. Mm-hmm. And I think it attracts people that have an expectation that things are just going to be fast. Um, and that maybe like the reward is going to be like done with minimal effort, right? Like yeah. there's a TikTok going around right now about um, Vegas cocktail waitresses. Jill Fam actually sent it to me. <laughs> I was dying. Um, and it's this girl and it's like, the reason why this thing went viral and everyone relates to it is because you know that when you go into a club, all the bottle service girl does is stand there, take your order, pressure you into buying something more expensive. And it's like the upcharge is like a thousand X percent of like how much it would, a bottle would cost if you just bought it at like a grocery store or whatever. Um, and then at the end, if you don't tip her 20% for just standing there and literally pouring your drink, she throws you an attitude. Yeah. And so I, again, like I'm not just, putting this only on men but i just think that overall this city since we're so focused on hospitality it's really like it attracts and the same thing with employees like i think that some people just have an expectation that it's minimal work and very high reward because of the volume of tourists who are also coming here to experience Mm -hmm. hospitality and um like this is a vacation destination like i remember when I first moved here, so like 12 years ago, when I would meet people that said that they lived here, I was like, you're born and raised here? Like, that's so weird. Like, what a, like, you've seen, you've seen some shit. Yeah. (laughs) Well, that's what I was going to say also. I think, I think us just even existing here, no matter what profession you're, no matter how successful you are, you're automatically like a Vegas person. So (laughs) I have a lot of friends that come in, they're like, how do you live here? You know, they're like, I wouldn't be able to survive. I'm like, yeah, but you, I don't go party every single night. I'm not doing, you know, this kind of structured schedule that you're doing during your day. And it's mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of good people out there, but I don't know if that's just like the perception, even like internally, even people that grew up here and like were born and raised, if they still like have that stereotype with each other. Yeah. Like, you know, when I told people that um, I was raised in Texas, people would be like, did you ride your horse to school? But like, if you tell people that you're raised here, it's like, I've heard, you know, we have some locals born and bred. Did you grow up in the casino? Exactly. What casino did you live in? And it's like, oh my God. Um, But yeah, just back to like figuring out, like, I, I just think Vegas as a city is just a tough place to be and and then when people are like saying to you like do you go out all the time and and having that expectation i say that this city has taught me how to say no yeah a lot like i used to be very bad at it really bad personal boundaries um but if you don't say no to stuff then it'll the city will just eat you alive it will but that's (laughs) like like, that's like the dangerous things like you you have to say no because the more you say yes 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 you get so exhausted Mm -hmm. and part of it is like you're gonna miss out on something but you don't really miss out on anything. Like it's always, it's always going to be here. There's always going to be something to do. I saw that there was like, instead of FOMO, it was JOMO. So it's like joy, joy of missing out. And like, I felt that to my core. Yes. I was like, I, I, yeah, I, I like to experience JOMO um, in my pajamas from my couch. Um, so, uh, so another thing about, about guys, do you feel like, cause I feel like there are men that are going to listen to this and it, and hopefully like take something out of it. How do you feel about like a guy paying for dinner, like on a, on a date or just in general, like finances, like how, how do you feel about that? You know, the, the way that I was raised and I think most people are, you know, and now it's kind of just such a confusing time, but I think if, if a man invites you out, you know, 
should pay for dinner, you know, and, and I'm not expecting to go to Robichon or like any like big Michelin star restaurant or something, even somewhere, just making that effort shows like that there is an investment and there's some sort of connection. And I feel like, I feel like I would be taken care of. And that just gets me a little bit further away from being this, like the masculine, a lot of people are talking about masculine and feminine energies, right? So it's like, if you're in the masculine all the time, you get shit done, you, you're doing stuff, but it's nice to sit back and like, have a, have a nice dinner with a man and, and then like, and not even be a thing. It's, it's sexy. It's attractive. But in that respect too, it's like, I feel like if I invite a man out, I would be very comfortable paying or like, as the relationship goes, like we take care of each other in some sort of way. But, right. you know, culturally I've just grown up to know that like the men, the man should step up more than like the woman. Exactly. And those, like you said, it's like, there's little things that happen in a relationship where like a, if a guy like doesn't know how to take care of a woman that has literally taken care of herself mm -hmm. her whole life, it's little details and situations like that where it's like, you don't, you don't have to do a lot. You don't have to spend a lot of money, but yeah. just like, let me know that you got, you got me too. Well, you know? honest, honestly too, it's like, if you, and it's, this is where the other part comes into play. It's like, if you have your own business and you're not, you don't feel like you're taken care of or safe or, you know, well in the relationship, my default mode is falling back into the business. Cause I'm like, this is something that's going to take care of me. This is something that's stable. So I'd rather be in this place than just go on these like little dates where, you know, we're having blank conversation. And I don't see any sort of like future because, you know, I have to buy my own coffee or something like that. It just turns it into like, we're just friends. Mm -hmm. I totally get that. And then it's like, it almost becomes like a cycle, right? Because then if you're falling into like back into the business, you're making the business stronger and then becoming more intimidating. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And then it's just, it just, I mean, that's basically what's happened to me. Like there's people like literally my colleagues, my clients are like, wow, you've really like gone through a few of them. I'm like, that's because at the first sign of bullshit, yes. I'm fucking out yes. because like, I don't, I actually don't need you for my life. Mm -hmm. Like I want somebody who can join and share, but I don't need anybody. And I, and I've also have girlfriends who, um, you know, I feel like I have to be careful about how I say this, but like feel trapped in relationships because they don't have their own identity. They don't have their own place. They don't have their own car payment or whatever. And they feel like they have to stay and absorb shitty treatment because they're getting a lifestyle out of it mm -hmm. in return. Whereas yes. people like us are like, eh. <laughs> like, no, like you do one shitty thing. I'm like, you just showed me your ass. And I have to believe it. That's like one of the big pieces of advice. Um, if there's like any younger girls listening, like my mama, you know, I'm Southern raised. And she's like, you know, a piece of advice. The minute a man shows you his ass, you believe him. You believe mm -hmm. that that's who he is as a person. Yep. Um, and that advice so far has not failed me. I agree with you. And I, you know, I think for a lot of young women, including myself, like you, you have to collect enough data to where, you know, is this like me being bitchy or something or is this like my fun one of my fundamental like values and truths and that's mm -hmm. how i'm too it's like if i'm dating someone the moment the fundamental things aren't seen anymore i'm like i'm out mm -hmm. you have a chance to come back and maybe like show me something else but like you said like when someone tells you something you believe them right totally and move on yeah there's <laughs> just yeah and also like not even telling you something like showing you something. I've learned that too, that like 
it's the same in business as it is in relationships. Like your actions always speak louder than words. Um, like I've had some like news that I am like holding back from announcing because I, I don't want to just say it before it's like solidified mm -hmm. and you gotta, you gotta like, you know, walk the walk also. And I think that's one of the things too, that just differentiates people from like being successful versus not is like, can you do both? Mm -hmm. Um, or even like put the walk, the walk before you talk the talk, like wow, it's yeah. almost like doing it in reverse, like yeah. do the thing and then back it up with your words. Don't say the thing and then like wait to maybe back it up. Yeah. Um, and I think that goes across like business and, um, and personal relationships, you know? Oh, for sure. For sure. And I've always been like very actions based. So it's like words aren't that they're meaningful, but like the actions are what holds weight. Totally. Yeah. You know. mm -hmm. um, let's go back to you. <laughs> we just like went way like off sweating. there. <laughs> I know. It is actually a little bit warm in here, but that was an intense one. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so let's, so people do really like call you the caviar queen. Mm -hmm. Um, so how did that happen? Like, have you always been into cooking? Um, uh, like, where does a restaurant tie and come in? You were like 23 years old and you're like, it's time for me to start a restaurant. Like what was the thought process behind? So, I mean, I think growing up, I've just always wanted, like wanted some way to connect with people. Right. And being shy and being introverted, it's almost like I need another vessel to like express myself in some sort of way, not to go too deep into it, but I just, I just loved like performing and creating things for people and seeing how people react to certain things. And when I started university, I was in uh hotel management and I thought I was going to do like boutique hotel design because it was just I loved going to boutique hotels I thought the creativity and like the experience it created was very special but then I went on this like uh trip with UNLV through western Europe and I told my parents it was for credit and it was wink but uh <laughs> I experienced like seven different countries and Barcelona for me was was that the city that like set it off because I was working in the hotels and it was like the everyday like verbiage and things that you have to say and the way you have to act and going there, everybody was just so relaxed and things were closed during parts of the day. And I just really like connected with this, with the whole, with the dining experiences and the culture there. And I was like, this is very similar to my culture too, even though it's across the country. And I came back to the States and uh, quit my job where I was working and worked with my parents for a little bit. And I was telling my dad, I'm like, I really want to open a restaurant someday. And he's like, he's like, okay, let's start looking at spaces. And I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, let's just go start. It was never like, yes, you need to go, which looking back on it, maybe I would have liked to have experience at a restaurant, but I just like, we just like dove in and he helped me set everything up and was helping me in the kitchen until we found people that worked and yeah that's how that's so how the restaurant started you guys like rolled your sleeves up and like got in there before right and i think that's the other part is that a lot of people think that they have to like fundraise 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 get capital get capital and it's like if you really want something like you got to roll your sleeves up and do it yourself and it really is that easy like if you mm -hmm. have an idea for a restaurant um you could yeah it's that easy like i'm so glad that you had somebody in your life that was like don't make that just a pipe dream. Like yeah. you want a restaurant, let's go look at a space, you know? Well, that's what it is. And I think that that was uh, the, all of, all of Forte has been just a different type of lesson for me throughout the years. Cause every year it's kind of different. It's different challenges. 
you know, different clientele. My, my biggest passion was to, to show our food and, and Bulgarian food, especially in a positive way and kind of eliminate a lot of the stereotypes. And then it, that took some time, of course. But um, I think what we've created is, is very, very special. If somebody were to come into Forte, what would you say? Like, they're not used to Bulgarian food, tapas. Like, what, what are, like, three dishes that you would tell them to order? Uh, I would try, like, the mixed grill. But that's it. They would, the, when people come, they just see the different names. But when they get it on the table, it's like, oh, I've seen this before. Because it's very similar to Mediterranean food. Mm-hmm. And, like, Bulgaria is here. Greece is here. You know, Georgia is like two hour flight away so everything is just very close to each other but you know the bread boat is really popular the kachapuri a lot of people get that it's really tasty and then like the shopska salad so in bulgarian cooking uh we like to highlight the flavors of like the ingredients themselves so it's like most of our salads we only dress it with like olive oil salt pepper maybe a little vinegar depending if you need acid Mm -hmm. um so all the all the produce like stands out on its own, but you need to have good produce. You need to have good ingredients. You're not using a lot of stuff that's like already pre-made. Everything's just made from scratch. And I think that what that's what like that's where comfort food comes from. And you guys are like in the restaurant. I don't know if I've ever met your dad, but your mom mm-hmm. is. You guys are like in the restaurant often. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, I like I like hanging out there. I like eating my own food. Totally. You know, and I like seeing the people that come in. I don't know if everybody likes seeing me there, but I I enjoy it. I can't imagine that that would not be just like a sight for sore eyes to seeing you in, in the restaurant. I bet you that's why people continue to come back. Yeah, well, yeah. And then I, re- I remember going back, it's like, sometimes I wish, you know, I had, you know, investors and I had all these things and all these resources, but not having those things available to me and me having to like really put myself into things and learn along the way has been very valuable. And I think if you work hard in that sort of way, you know, I got to a point where I'm like, I haven't done anything. So it's like, you look back on it and it's like not imposter syndrome, but you've just gotten so used to like producing at that level and producing everything so quickly and like having to pivot and like, I hate that word, pivot and change and all that stuff that, you know, sometimes I feel like I'm like, I haven't done anything. I'm like, there's so much more I can do. There's also a lot of like, um, and I like to be really upfront and transparent about this. Like there's a lot of, you know, what is it? Preparation. What is it? Um, like success is like preparation and opportunity. Um, I think there's a lot of like being in the right place at the right, at the right time, mm-hmm. right. Having those people in your life that are like, you want to do this? Here you go. Like, yes. look at how I did it. Um, but it's the, um, like tenacity and grit that that is what keeps people going like it's not a anyone can open a business truly like anyone can do it but it's the grit every single day is like the grind um to make something work and and also like going back to just how that trans translates into relationships like i'm like a fixer you know like i'm a problem solver if there's something that's wrong i want to fix it and like that is how my business is too and i Mm -hmm. bet that's how you are too yeah yeah. Yep. It's like there's something wrong. Like we, you don't have a choice except for to see um, the opportunities to fix it. Otherwise, what? You're just going to like let it fail? No. Yes. Like you don't have a choice. It's like you have to literally figure out, you know, how to connect the dots and what the best course of action is going to be going forward. So 
All right. So you have Forte Tapas and the Caviar Collective. Can you tell me, I mean, we'll first tell people where Forte Tapas is. And then I want to know about Caviar Collective and how you got the name, the Caviar Queen. (laughs) (laughs) So Forte's on the west side of Vegas. We're like 10 minutes away from the strip on Rainbow and Flamingo um, on an island in a strip mall by ourselves. It's great. I so mean, I love it. we're very grateful when people come in because we're like, you guys actively chose to come here. Totally. It wasn't an accident. You weren't just in the neighborhood. Well, and people talk about it, right? It's like a good hangout spot. They like it. Yeah. yeah it's and cozy. We like being there. Mm-hmm. But, um, and then there was like some article that came out about me. I think Jason Harris like plugged me as the caviar queen. I was like, oh wow, this is amazing. But it's just because I've been doing so much and like my family too, we've just been doing so much stuff with caviar over the years and I started, um, you know, going to events and presenting the product and, and, you know, having people taste it and do these like unique kind of experiences, which I don't think a lot of people in the caviar industry do. Mm -hmm. Um, because my, my whole point is like, if you can't connect to the product, if you don't know what it is or where it's coming from or why it's special in any sort of way, or in a, in a, in a way that maybe applies more to you than somebody else then you don't really need the product. Wait, are we talking about uh, caviar or relationships? <laughs> Shit, maybe that's my problem. <laughs> but that's really, like, problem. but isn't that right? Because people are intimidated by caviar mm-hmm. because they don't know anything about it. Yeah. And it's the same with, like, relationships. We're going to be single forever. <laughs> <laughs> I just compared boyfriends to employees and, like, business. Like, there's no way to do this right but you're, yeah, you're so right. That's yeah. Yep. But yeah. So you saw, you had the foresight. You're like, people don't, people don't be knowing yeah. about caviar. And so you're explaining well, it and making you know, it my, approachable. My parents had a, like they, they've had businesses and stuff. One of their businesses was uh, liquor distribution. They brought a lot of brands into town. So it's kind of like I was doing the caviar the way that liquor companies do sort of things. And Smart. Like, there's 20 different vodkas on the market. Why is this vodka important? Like, why is this one different than this one? And it's just like how it registers to people, to people's brains. Like, and I think after the pandemic, more people have been stuck at home and they've had more exposure to things or time to learn and time to see that like not everything is like how, how it, how you think it's supposed to be like in, in the sense, like you go to a restaurant and the only way to eat caviar is on blinis with creme fraiche and, you know, champagne or whatever. Like you can pair caviar with cheese. You can pair caviar with tequila. We've done that so many times. So that's where I kind of geek out and it's one product, but there's so many different ways that you can enjoy it. Well, you don't have to be intimidated by it. It's not just uh, reserved for like this exclusive, like, how did it, how did it get that, uh, reputation anyway? Like, cause it's expensive. It's mm. like, it's glamour, it's fish eggs, it's, you know, or sturgeon eggs. It's, uh, it's only reserved for like the creme de la creme because only the creme de la creme can understand it. And I think that's why a lot of people are intimidated by it as well. It's like, if you, if you don't necessarily have this like fancy lifestyle, it's like, why, I can't afford it or I can't like, it's, it's not for me or something, or they've tried product that, that isn't very good. And then they never want to try it again when there's like so many different things and ways to, to apply it. Do you have a favorite like caviar and or caviar combo? Um, well, 
I specialize in Ocetra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my favorite. Shout that's out. Like, shout out. Shout out to my, my company. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand. Like we're, we're direct uh, importers, brand, everything is from start to finish is like, is through us or like through me. There's no, a lot of these big companies, they have like big warehouses and stuff and they're dealing with multiple farms. Like I deal with one farm. The product is fresh from farm to table. It's like 10 days and that's legit. Like by the time they process, harvest it, bring it in, it's, it's set. And you have to raise these animals for like 10 to 12 years before they're, before they can produce eggs. And no you wonder have to it's feed expensive. Them. You have to feed them a certain way. You have to take care of them, you know, electricity, you know, all the conditions have to be pristine and perfect. So you have this amazing product. So there's a lot that goes into it. And that's why, yeah, it's like the, the ticket value is, is high. Yeah. Well, now I can understand why you earned that title for the caviar queen. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to be doing more stuff with it. I mean, I think my, my plan with the, or my, my goal always with the caviar collective was to do more with it than just caviar. So I want, I want it to be a lifestyle. I want it to be something that people, you know, whether it's like, you know, clothing or merchandise or like a bag to take for your picnic or, you know, these different experiences that we create or like a membership where, you know, we, we have these different boxes and it can be collaborative to where you order caviar and maybe champagne, but you're also introduced to this other, you know, product that, that you probably wouldn't have seen before and see how all of those things can go together. And they're not, again, exclusive or have to be kept separate. You know what I mean? Totally. I think we should, can we do a giveaway? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> like at Forte, yes. where you can like walk people through a, a caviar experience. Absolutely. Okay. would love that. I love that too. Um, okay. And so tell people where they can find you. Uh, at Forte. <laughs> <laughs> no, for, Forte Tapas is Instagram at the Caviar Collective and at Nina underscore Manchev on Instagram and like the socials. Um, yeah, otherwise I'm at Forte and we do retail caviar too. So it's like a lot of people don't know that we have like three different types of caviar service, uh, retail caviar, um, and then wholesale for some of our like bigger clients too. Love it. Well, I'm so glad that you came in here. This conversation like went all over the place, (laughs) but also exactly where I thought it would go. Um, and so I will post details later, but we will, um, do a giveaway as we post. We'll just have people say their favorite part of the episode. And I'm sure it's going to be all the shit talking we just did, but, um, but thank you so much for coming on and it was so great getting to know more about you. Same.